Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. So, you know what else takes a hit when disaster strikes? Opinion slingers like me, who are sidelined as we become, like you, witnesses to real news. Not fake news, real news. When all you have are visuals of human misery and human spirit, who needs me? The only thing that matters is helping the helpless. And as real news erupts, crud like identity politics, MTV awards, Kathy Griffin, they return to where they belong. Toys in the closet, suddenly outgrown and forgettable. Shallow minds can't survive a flood, although some have tried. Slate, a blog, calls the heroism that we've seen a myth. Climate change apostles use crisis to mock skeptics. Academics joke about karma. The media knocks Melania for her shoes and knock Mr. Trump for his lack of empathy. To that point, what did emotional expression get you in Katrina? Government Blanco shed some tears while delaying National Guard troops for days. Mayor Nagin shouted emotionally on TV. But what about all those buses left unused and then ruined by him or the Red Cross being delayed entry to New Orleans? Ultimately, Blanco went away. Nagin's in jail. And President Bush won't be remembered for turning the other cheek, would both blamed him for their errors. Now, it's too soon to judge Mr. Trump on this, but you know it's coming. Just weeks ago, the media used an evil act in Charlottesville to indict America. Now Harvey arrives to repudiate that notion, writing a perspective that had been wrong for so long. We aren't what the media says we are, divided, hateful, evil. What the news has been telling us for years has been dispelled in just a few days. There's no room for spin when you see those rescues with your very own eyes. Americans are what those pictures are, selfless, colorblind, inspiring. The news may be bad, but for once it shows us who you really are in times of crisis. Good. If you were to describe these last few days with one word, it would be rescued. Because all we see are people being rescued. Pets, too, from rooftops, from cars. But you're also seeing another kind of rescue. One from all those conflicts that occurred before the flood. Stuff about statues and privilege and gender identity and trigger warnings. These stories still exist. But in times of crisis, they seem to fade. But some still pop up as a reminder of how things used to be. Right now, there are cities planning to replace Columbus Day with Indigenous Day. I don't know what to think, except that it's got to be cool to have all that time on your hands to debate that stuff in dry, comfortable weather. Meanwhile, people are being airlifted from certain death. It's such a powerful contrast, at least to me. Now, these conflicts over statues and historical figures, they exist in good times because we have the time to discuss it. But a disaster rescues us from such reoccurring division. Now I know we're supposed to hate each other, says the media. And it must be hard for identity activists to see folks in trucker hats or hoodies rescuing people of all stripes. They can't wait to get back to the rage when the waters recede. But- and welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It's the 5th of September, year of our Lord, 2017. That was great, Gutfeld. I had no place to fit it in on this podcast, so I... I- Decided to go ahead and throw it in the front. I think it was a good one. I don't watch the five. Um, used to. It's kind of boring. Um, <clears throat> now I just, yeah. No, got no time for it. Today we're going to do something totally different. We're going to do a front end. Tweets, hate, 
hypocrisy and stats. And then we're just going to do a very long news and social media nuggets. But broken down into two segments. One's going to be military and the other is going to be stupid. Before we get into that, DACA is a big thing. Um, I could read this, but Eric Columbus, at Eric Columbus, common spelling. Look him up. 1824, 30, 30. Tweet rant. Backed up by Sam Stein saying, if you're a DACA recipient who voted for Trump, if such a person exists, I'd like to hear from you, seriously. Within this 30 tweet rant and that statement, I, I can sum it up by Oils, Guns, America. Sweet Jesus, who really thought they could vote. Boontatic Rex, or Lunatic Rex is his handle. They do. That's why DACA exists. I get your point, but they're, that's the reality of the thing. Leftists know voter fraud exists. They count on it. Jeff Brad asks, and if you're a DACA recipient who voted for Hillary at Judicial Watch, at True the Vote, and others, you may want to hear from you. Folks, his rant pretty much shows why they're upset about this. It's not about those dreamers. This was a big way for Obama to get more voters for Democrats. Secondly, in this rant, it's glaringly obvious it wasn't constitutional to begin with. So when you hear... You know, your buddy, doggone, uh, Chris, Chris Cuomo, Chris Cuomo, over on CNN saying that if it's constitutional, uh, executive orders can't be overturned. That's, that's, it doesn't matter. A, any president can overturn any executive order. And B, it's not constitutional. You can't just let a whole group of people stay in because you're the president. Could always be overturned. People are saying it's a bad step. It doesn't make any sense. Yada, yada, yada. Well, that's because no other president has done this. Usually we do the Washington two-step. Trump's not a normal president. We've kind of established that by now. So, um, me, I, I, I know it's hypocritical, but I've said it on the show. I don't think anchor babies should be a thing. And I don't think kids that are in here should just automatically become citizens because they're here. It's not about tearing apart families. It's not about anything. It's about legal immigration. And we've already proved on the show too many times, my friends, too many times, legal immigrants, specifically Mexican ones, are more like me than they are the left. They've done it right. Just like my grandpa and grandma, my great-grandpa and grandma, and your great-grandma and grandpa. That's just the way it should be. We are a melting pot. We should take all comers that legally migrate here. This whole wave a wand so I could get them to vote for me bullshit. It's un-American, unconstitutional, and uncalled for. I mean, come on. You've already brainwashed every young kid on the planet to believe you're ideology in the schools and the colleges. Now you're going to do this? Are you that afraid of your policies, liberals? That's that's what I think it's about. But anyway, let's close the loop.
more than winning any mud bog competition, you know. I mean, we do this for fun, but I, I, I'm, I'm putting it to a real good use right now. kisses and watching grown men cry when you come save them. It's all worth it. Alright, that was Diesel Angels. A lot of memes out there. A lot of rednecks. Big jacked up trucks are pulling out. Uh, first responders. National Guard. I just wanted to play it. I think it's kind of cool. Uh, I, I know during my part of Harvey... I winched some doggone trees. I felt pretty good. I felt pretty damn freaking redneck that point at night. Uh, point, yeah, it was, it was nighttime when I did it. But sad thing is Irma is huge. 180. Uh, already start prayers, folks, for Florida, South Carolina. Uh, God knows where it's going to go. It's, it's looking like it's going to get pushed a little bit by the front that just pulled through here and uh, needless to say, went from 75 to 65 and stayed that way today because um, we're in fall. We'll be highs in the 70s, lows in the 50s. So um, hopefully that'll do some push and maybe we'll get lucky and it'll miss and curl back. I don't know, but that's the next one. Um, Los Angeles Times. Harvey should be a warning to Trump that climate change is a global threat. Rat Fink, this tweet is more predictable than hurricanes, which is actually really true. From their article... If Trump himself were to consult the experts, such as, you know, climate scientists, he would learn that global warming is real, blah, 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 blah. It just goes on, and the same old, oh, shame on you, you knuckle-dragging people. Razor, one, hail Razor, excuse me, one hurricane proves climate change is a threat that will kill us all, but a 12-year gap since the last major one hit the U.S. means nothing. Uh, you wait when Irma hits. We'll have two storms. They haven't had major storms in a long time. And you're never going to hear the end of this, folks. It's just crazy. Of course, we had the National Day of Prayer. And as I always say on the show, liberals hate Christians. I'm doing my, what was that, uh, Sean Puffy Combs or one of them guys? Yeah. Kanye West. There it is. Kanye, way, Kanye West. But uh, there's some good ones in there. But... As this article that I got it for, full transparency, it was really tough to find a positive tweet on this tag. Who knew a day calling for prayer would be seen as something controversial? Pray if you want. Don't pray if you don't want. This ain't rocket science, folks. But here are some of the worst. And I gleaned just a few. One is a golden Trump out of the Ten Commandments. Yeah. Joe Mandate tweets, don't forget today is totally not weird state-sanctioned National Day of Prayer Day. Please send your prayers and pics. Trevin Shu, Trump declared today to be a National Day of Prayer for hard victims, but my question is, what the fuck is he going to pray about? DR Hug, stop National Day of Prayer. Nonsense. We need a National Day of Education, a day of humans using their brains with no Trump bullshit. And he just goes on and on and on. 
But it's not there. Hollywood had to get it. The guy who's, you know, Modern Family, I stopped watching a long time ago, used to be a really funny show, and then it just turned into a platform for gay rights. You know, that's that's what they were doing. Danny Zucker is the producer. And, dear Christians, if you support real Donald Trump's decision to end DACA, your Christianity is bullshit. But on the other hand, fuck you. Yeah. Starts as Harvey, goes to DACA. It's all the fucking same. Mr. Wilton Wolf, here's an executive producer of ABC's Modern Family, trashing Christians and urging Americans to respect rule of law to not watch America, or Modern Family, which already there. He respied Zucker, I do wish people had half the outrage they have for me typing fuck for Trump literally tearing families apart. There we go. You'll see a lot of that week. It's a shame that Democrats did not care enough to do anything about it when they had the ability to do so, huh? Road Beer McAllister said. I like it. He, 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 I just, it, it never ends. Cause in BuzzFeed, Joel Olstein fiasco says a lot about American Christianity. They did a whole thing about how Christians are fuckheads cause Joel Olstein went open up his doors cause he was afraid to have a Superdome problem. Albeit a shitty reason. Could have got tense. Could have used some of the million he had, but it's a private church. He made that decision. Comfortably Smug said, it's good to judge an entire religion based on the action of one bad guy. And everybody else, you know, pretty much summed it up. Because the left was eating this up. Joel Olstein is all bad, 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 bad Christian. And this new, this BuzzFeed was just huge, man. I mean, these liberals ate it up. And I think John Dorian really summed it up. The fact that you are somehow viewed as a trusted news source reflects very poorly on American liberals. And it's true. It's just true. How that has to do with anything. Which brings me to a Federalist article. Why are progressives on an anti-Christian witch hunt? Here's the thing. I least about... Here's the thing I like least about Mary Eberstadt's latest book. It's dangerous to believe. Liberals don't seem to be reading or discussing or if they are, I can't find the evidence. Admittedly, it's a hard-hitting book. Very few words are wasted in sympathizing with liberal progressives, and some may prefer not to read whole books comparing them to McCarthyites and witch hunters. I'd encourage them to read it anyway. This is one conversation religious conservatives would really like to have with you. Call it maybe Mary Eberstadt's challenge. For Eberstadt, Eberstadt's more like-minded readers, the book offers a good opportunity to reflect on the challenges currently in front of us. How have we gotten to this point? The purge begins. Much of Eberstadt's book is dedicated to documenting the evidence that indeed Christians are becoming the objects of persecution. She offers scores of cases, all from recent years, in which Christians have been denied freedoms and protections that would be afforded as a matter of course to any other group. The arguments given for this suppression are transparent, ludic- transparently ludicrous or paranoid. Christians have real reasons to be afraid. I, come on, folks. Handing out a Bible's bad, can't pray... Uh, all the Obama shit where you literally fuck your religion, you gotta give morning after pills. All unconstitutional, all unconstitutional, and all things you couldn't do to Muslims. That's all I gotta say. I, I gotta just pull up Muslims, not any other religion, just Muslims. The army is bent over backwards for Muslims. Christians can't even wear a cross. I mean, it's just, it's what, what we are. Her other part is witch hunts and heretic hunts. 
Two questions now present themselves. Why is this happening? Also, what should we, we do about it? Eberstadt presents the perse- persecution of Christians as kind of a witch hunt. Even though traditional religion is in fact culturally marginal, progressives view Christians as a monstrous threat posed to subvert the whole nation with our anti-freedom theocratic agenda. We're a kind of cultural boogeyman in the age of overwhelming anxiety. On this reading, the impulse to persecute arrives the kind of mania. Deep cultural anxieties get transferred to Christian scapegoats. Progressive sphere Christians is like a Freudian psychoanalytical phobia. David Goldman, in his review of Eberstadt's book, points to another possible explanation. What if progressive's fear of traditional religion isn't based on delusion? Perhaps liberals correctly perceive that their cultural dominance is fragile and already beginning to crumble. Perhaps they fear Christians because they acutely identify, accurately identify, excuse me, the most significant culture force outside of liberal progressivism itself. And that's pretty much true. All right. And I agree wholeheartedly. Can there be witch hunting heretics? G.K. Charleston once suggested Protestant societies are more prone to witch hunting, an observation he attributes to widespread Protestant failure to incorporate femininity robustly into their spirituality. Catholics, with their intense love of Mary, were able to restore the psychology balance, acknowledge the power of the feminine in a non-terrifying way. Meanwhile, where the Reformation took hold, the unexpressed power of the feminine started to haunt the imagination of Protestant thinkers. Then a misfortune would strike, a drought, an earthquake, or a series of bad crops, and they would imagine that a malevolent, unopposed woman was somehow behind the mischief. I'm not qualified to evaluate Charleston's theory, which pr- protests page freeze <clears throat> in re- respect to Protestantism and witches. I do think it may shed light on our current situation. What Charleston shows is that in some cases, witches really do represent an acknowledged source of power. That power might actually be a malign, and the witch hunter terror may say for more about him than his hapless quarry. Committed Christians mean a nice gay couple, even several, and still held to traditional sexual morals. The pro-life movement keeps hanging around like a bad cold. Witches are not real per se, but the myth has some connection to reality. Properly understood, women do have their own kind of power, and men have failed to appreciate that. They may discover the power of feminine at an unexpected time, quite possibly in an unexpected way. Elite liberals are in a relatively similar position, relatively similar position. Their ideologies seem to be spinning out of control and traditionalists have some disconcerting powerful critiques to levy against them. In this instance, the heretic, one who opposes those ideologies on principle, may also make a very suitable witch thought that was a good point. Not going to read the rest of it. I, I think really what it comes down to, I think point two is very, very apropos. Christianity pushes back on the anything goes liberalism that we experience from transgender to down to abortion. But more importantly, what they miss on this book and every article I could find is really what I truly believe. It has nothing to do with about God. There are a lot of liberals that are, believe there is a higher being. They're not all atheists. I mean, the fact is, they attach Christianity to their enemy, the Republicans. And thus, they must hate on them. And, you know, that's just the fact that's why Obama had to continually bring up the Crusades over and over because he's a secularist. He, he wasn't religious. He said it because he still needed it. You will bet sure as shit, which we have a 
article in our hypocrisy or a tweet, a lot of libs are starting to push that, realizing they're going to need it. They want to run for president. But in the future of our lives, my friends, Democrats will start running straight up fucking atheists. That's the base of their party. And wait to those conversations, which will be really rough. As much as the media wants to portray and the left wants to portray and all these damn polls and how we're only down to 60% of Americans believe in something or whatever the fuck it is. You know, it's all by design. The left has purposely tried to take God out of the house, out of the school, out of everything. Because in their mind, God's evil because God votes Republican. It's a sick, twisted fucking vision. It's not true. But that's that's the gist. Prominent Dems typically denounce Antifa violence. Wanted to cover it. We talked about it briefly last time. Nancy Pelosi's condemnation to Antifa, University of California System President Janet Napolitano offered her own tepid support for free speech. That happened August 29th. Didn't see it. But still, the fight goes on. Conservative groups, flyers, vandalized, labeled Nazi. Illinois State University to face Flyers belonging to college Republicans and Turning Point USA slurring them as Nazis and racists. When the college Republicans posted advertisement on Friday, August 24th, event featuring Nick Adams, an Australian author, Nazi scum, no Nazis on campus was on it. Happened about three other ones, and that's that's the push. That's the big push. We'll hit a lot of college shit in our news and social media nugget segment too, but you know it it's still out there. They can tepidly do it. Chuck Toad didn't roll out Mark Bray again after Berkeley, which I thought was interesting. But when you really break it down, they're still pushing, folks. So it, it does you well to start going to itsgoingdown.org and refusefashion.org. Um, which, by the way, I listed my last pocket. It always sounds like I'm saying refuse fashion. That's not it. It's fascism. All right? Not fashion. I do refuse fashion. I'm old. Uh, I don't really give a fuck what I look like. tweets of the day this one's pretty funny president trump per pooler i hear the coast guard saved almost eleven thousand people but going into the winds the media would not go into and of course that brought up the rancor about every reporter except for nick uh yeah freaking costa i never saw jim acosta out there planned parenthood show up to defend daca tomorrow daca works it would be heartless and cruel to dash daca people's futures i'll let novak Lucky underscore Pez do my talking for me. It's also heartless and cruel to crush an unborn infant's skull. So miss me with the crocodile tears. I I just thought that was really funny that Planned Parenthood would be pushing. Why? I know why you want more abortions. That's a whole other demo. Even though they're all mostly religious and they're Catholic and they probably don't do as much abortions as you want them to do. I, I see it. It's product that you can use and resell. 
You sick fucks. Yashar Ali, for those in progressive world who think the solution to Breibart and Fox News is to create a progressive version, you're absolutely wrong. If you have a problem with those media organizations, the solution is to create a progressive version. Support build media organizations that engage in nonpartisan reporting. You don't respond to partisan reporting, calling it a problem by doing more partisan reporting. There's a big push by HRC supporter to ver- to create a progressive media org, not referring to Verit, which did get done, and we'll cover it. Big mistake. But that's none of my biz. Educated Hillary, Hillbilly. It's at Rob Province, if you want to follow him, because I'm following him. The guy is funny as shit. It's hilarious to say there isn't one, which is why I brought it up. I mean, seriously. Reverend Templeton Jones, an African-American female. It's called MSDNC. She said it just like me. She said it just like me. I thought, wow, somebody out there also calls it that. But that I, I wow, you don't, Yasher, Ali, you apologized, Dana Loach, and I thought you were coming around to being objective, but bro, bro, I'll wait for the punchline. It's coming. Peter Dow's what he's talking about, and it's called Verit at V E R R I T. Saving it for another podcast. I'm going to cover it. This guy is just a sycophant for Hillary. And he posted a two-tweet thing, a thread, exciting news. Hillary Clinton endorses Verit, the media platform that we're building for the $65.8 million. And I, Leah Dow and I founded Verit because Hillary Clinton voters, an inspiring, diverse coalition, are unrepresented in the media. Yeah, our tweet of the day sums it all up nicely. Hillary Clinton voters are the media. Hey, tweet of the day! Seriously, folks, I mean, I really want to know where these people live. Uh, we, we had fucking, t- since 2012, all we had was Hillary, 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 go Hillary, we love Hillary, Hillary biographies, Hillary this, Hillary coffee, Hillary jerk fest every night, I mean, get the fuck out of here, the Hillary voters are underrepresented, seriously, that, that's, that's how partisan the left is, my friends. That's a partisan. And it, it's kind of scary when you think about it. But um, I, I was going to play this on the backside, but I want to set it up. This is real if you haven't seen it. And this is what's wrong with America. You cannot wear a swastika to school. You cannot use a slogan cap. Please, please go back. You can't. Please go at least for this. I don't care what you do in other classes, but in my class. Wait, so both of them, both of them have to like flip their shirts inside out because it says Trump on the top. They gotta flip their shirts inside out. Because it's got Trump on it and it's supported by me. Because it says, I can wear a great again. Okay. I'm not saying about Trump. I'm saying about the slogan. 
Yeah, that's a teacher, all right? And a Trump shirt's like a Nazi symbols. School district, dear parents, on behalf of Superintendent, this message is to provide you with more information about a story currently circulating in media and on social media regarding an incident in one of our high schools. In this regard, River Ridge High School math teacher on Thursday, August 31st, 2017, erroneously told students, students their shirts were campaign slogans were not permitted in class. Her actions were wrong as the Make America Great shirts worn by the students are not a violation of her school district dress code. The teacher additionally and inappropriately shared a personal opinion about the campaign slogan during class. The school's principal immediately met with and apologized to these students and their families. Superintendent of school, Dr. Brian V. Hightower, is deeply sorry that this incident has happened in one of our schools. It does not reflect his expectation, blah, 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 blah. We cannot discuss discipline and action against the teacher. And then they blah, blah, blah. Nothing's going to happen. Barbara P. Jacoby. That is how fucked up we are. Because I just did a quick search. Seattle teachers to wear Black Lives Matter shirts for a week sparking debate. 100 in Seattle. That's okay, though. You can wear a Black Lives Matter shirt. Wearing a Trump shirt makes you a Nazi. Okay, yeah. Yeah. But th- that's, that's where we are. I, I could have said this or later, but it's so apropos. Victim of banana peel incident said heart dropped instantly. University of Mississippi Greek life. We're having this thing. A guy couldn't find a garbage can, so he threw a fucking banana peel in a tree. That was a micro-mega aggression or whatever the fuck we're classifying. And now, they shut it down. The whole event. Because she saw a banana peel somehow because apes eat banana? That's racist. Yeah. That's where our schools are. And you're all fucking hypocrites. Because for goddamn eight years, if you wore anything, if I had a Snow Obama sticker, I was a racist piece of shit. But now you can call everybody wearing a Trump sticker, shirt, underwear, condom, what have you, you're a Nazi. And that's okay. Hmm. But it's just not as white folk. Kalichi Okafor. If you're enraged when you hear all white people are racist, then you're probably a racist. Yeah. Yeah. That came out. Somebody responded, if you think all white people are racist, you're probably the racist. Is any of this racist? Ask a friend. And they literally tweeted... This is what's in there. How are you, white people? You never win experience racism over. Please shut the fuck up and go back to fucking your dog. I'm tired. We gotta be able to bond over our shared dislikes of white people and other than people of color. I don't want to be standing in here some post-racial I don't see color shit. Good morning to everyone except white people. White people just be in the way like move. Why do you exist? Such nuisances like gnats, but worse. White people are ugly and annoying. Wish there was a nuclear war just so y'all could go extinct. Goddamn, I hate white people. White people need to go extinct ASAP. Oh, some real shit. I fucking hate white people and other than black people. See, it's just just not us. Other than black. Those are eight different random people. I could pull out 7,000 and put it up there. 
But that's okay. Make fun of Obama's policies. You're a racist. Lena Dunham. When Twitter suggests you follow the White House and you're like little old I'd rather follow a murderer in a basement. You think that's the actual hate? No, the hate is when Twitter suggests you follow Lena Dunham and you're like, I'd rather follow a sexual predator to a basement. Oh, wait, it's the same thing. <laughs> fucking love that fucking tweet. For those that aren't caught up on Lena, Lena literally sent her books. She used to molest her little sister. So, in a basement. Yeah. George Clooney, there's a dark cloud hanging over our country right now. I'd read the rest of his stupid thing, but people said he literally says this every time we elect a Republican. Also, the planet has 10 years until it burns away, doesn't it? Ben, old enough to remember when Ed Schultz said Rick Perry was racist for using this metaphor. John Lustig, that's just the exhaustion from your jest. And Stephen Miller said, a smug cloud is over the top of you. Hypocrites full of hate. Now we'll go to the real hypocrisy. USA Today Deputy Editorial Page Editor David Mustachio stood out in the mainstream and shamed Keith Oberman into apologizing. It happened. I apologize without reservation to Betsy DeVos ED for the gutter language I'll reserve for people who truly deserve it. Mazzio noted at first glance Oberman's words look like a solid apology except for three things. The promo for his F-bomb titled book is bigger than the apology. Oberman left up his post called Devos That Word. And if you read carefully, he promised to keep that gutter language coming. He'll just be more judicious. But it's good to say USA Today, which is just a liberal fucking rag. Actually has somebody over there at the Stones to call him out. Joe Bastardi. Climate change should be a crime. He is calling for a climate Nuremberg. I'm not making that up. A Nuremberg now. Yeah. Here's a huge hypocrisy. Media never covered it. But listen to this. Early Friday, the Politico Joss Meyer reported that the Department of Homeland Security had formally classified the activities of the left-wing and anarchist-driven movement known as Antifa as Domestic terrorist in April 2016. FBI warnings. Federal authorities have been warned state and local officials since early 2016. Previously unreported documents disclosed that April 2016 authorities believed that the anarchist extremists were the primary instigators of violence at public rallies against a range of targets. They were blamed by authorities for attacks on the police, government, and political institutions, along with the symbols of the capitalist system, racism, social injustice, and fascism, according to the confidential 2016 Joint Intelligence Assessment by DHS and FBI. Here's the big whammy on this thing. Obama knew that. The media knew it. But we done spent a whole year of blaming Trump for every injury at every rally when they already knew they were the instigators. And we've now just played the Charlottesville two-step over one dude freaking out and ramming somebody by Berkeley. People have to speak finally. 
Tell me under George Bush, you didn't know things like this. Tell me under Trump, since you know he has two scoops of fucking vanilla ice cream, you won't know this. And tell me this wouldn't be playing right now if, if Trump actually did it. Did it! Again. Can't have a free country without a free press. Here's another example. People claim black as Kansas City serial killer suspect, suspect shot white victims at random. Five Kansas City killings allegedly shot men at random while walking their dogs. They were all white between the ages of 54 and 67, and you haven't even heard about it. I didn't hear about it until I saw this goddamn article. I once again say if it was a white guy shooting black people walking a fucking pit bull, would you know it? Methinks you would. Boston Globe, Elizabeth Warren, Christian faith is deep and authentic, and it informs her work as a senator. Did I not say I was going to read that to you? She's a praying woman. She believes in prayer, Reverend Miniard Culpepper said, of the Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Dorchester. Culpepper joined her again in prayer just before she took the stage to give her 2012 Democratic National Convention speech. Awebaju Ekacha. I'm going to start following her, African-American female. I'll let her do my talking. Yes, and I guess Elizabeth Warren, deep, authentic Christian faith is exactly why she valiantly fights for the number one abortion provider with the video of her shaming people because they weren't for giving Planned Parenthood unfendered funds. Another one, I had a civil and level-headed debate about abortion with Bill Prady, the executive producer of the Big Bang Theory. He then blocked her. I would read this trite, but understand, in this, he literally is trying to state other religions other than Christianity support abortion. Yeah. Other than Christianity. Yet, as I went through it, there there is no religion that does that. He even tried to bring Hindus in, because killing cows and some shit, and that she should abstain from killing cows, which I can't figure what the fuck that has to do with abortion. But I, I shouldn't be excited about it. It's fucking Hollywood. That's just what Hollywood is. To our media mash, Dow, Trump needs to stop being mean to North Korea or something. Rule, that little skank on MSDNC, upset illegal criminals got deported. These are big bad guys, and they're trying to say innocent until proven guilty. Major Garrett gets the jab in that Trump wasn't close to the people in pain. Pete Williams brought back the white Latino. This is about Fidel Castillo, who was killed. The cop was let off for it because he grabbed for a goddamn gun. That's why he was shot. But remember, boys and girls, the police officer was Hispanic. But we're back into that white Hispanic person. Jennifer Rubin, the GOP, is the party of Charlottesville. That's Nazis. And MSDNC, 
DACA removal is just the white supremacy coming out. Seriously. He's, he's tweeting this morning in a way, today is supposed to be the National Day of Prayer that the president declared. And he's already trying to make enemies of China, making enemies of South Korea. So I hope he can I can reflect. kind of understand why he's tweeting about that today, man. Well, I, I, understandably, but I think part of what the problem we're in today is the, is the belligerent language that he's used over the last three or four months in Mistavis, a problem that you discussed earlier that is very difficult to solve. I actually think we need to reset our entire foreign policy and assume North Korea is a nuclear power, and then how do we deter them or how do we contain them mm. instead of this continued belligerent? By definition, if you are in DACA... You can't have committed a crime. If you have committed a crime, you're out. And you so, can't get so renewed. From a perspective of prosecutorial, you can't re get renewed. Correct. From a perspective of prosecutorial discretion, meaning we don't have the endless resources to deal, deal with all of this, these guys aren't a priority. Well, actually, uh, it's not correct to say that if you haven't committed a crime, you're not in DACA. Actually, DACA allows you to get the amnesty as long as you haven't been convicted. And so in one of the lawsuits Hold I brought on, on behalf second. of 10 if ICE agents, we haven't been convicted, you haven't committed, you haven't committed a crime. Right. So what happens is a lot of gangbangers get arrested, but the state won't have the resources to uh, c to prosecute all of them, and so they're released. It used to be before DACA that the uh, the local county sheriff would release them to ICE in the hopes that ICE would deport them. But we have many cases of such individuals who are getting the DACA amnesty. They've been arrested. They haven't yet been convicted, but that arrest isn't enough to disqualify them from DACA. So the DACA cross, you know, we shouldn't have any uh, illusion here. The DACA is a cross of the illegal alien population. There are criminals, there are scholars, but there are, it's, it's not a, a, an especially uh, higher-achieving uh, cross-section of the uh, okay, illegal alien population. Okay, but we have to make it clear. If you're not convicted of a crime in the eyes of the U.S. government, we don't believe you've committed one. Well, but on the other hand, if you have been arrested and you are a gang member, which is some of the case of these DACA I'm aliens, sorry, sir, no, that I'm might be the world sorry. you want to live in. I'm but sorry, sir. If we, you've we been, get, there are many, many you're people. Presumed who have been, you're presumed innocent until proven right, guilty right, right, in the right, United remember, States. Removal America. is not a, uh, the, the courts. Okay, right. But let me just unpack what you just said. Removal is not a criminal penalty. If you are removed to your home, mm -hmm. you have not been you have not been convicted of a crime. And so, yes, uh, law enforcement can make judgments and say, you know what. We have to choose. We have limited resources. Which person do we remove first? Let's remove the person who was arrested for gang-banging activity or who is a gang member. That is a decision that can be made, and it is, it's is—it's not a presumption of innocence question because removal, again, is not a criminal penalty. Okay, You're well, simply asking the person to go back home. I'm going to take a leap. I might not know how Neil Gorsuch would vote, but I'm going to take a leap and say Mark Zuckerberg isn't looking to hire gangbangers. He has put together a coalition, a group of CEOs who are backing the dreamers. President Trump, a business-first, pro-business president, as he likes to say he is, why wouldn't he or why wouldn't you see CEOs across the board, the most successful leading CEOs saying, we need these employees. Immigration, these type of employees are going to help us build, help the U.S. economy. I don't think Mark Zuckerberg is looking to hire the Crips and the thugs. As is so often the case with this presidency, President Trump and Vice President Pence were a study in contrast in their trips to Texas responding to Hurricane Harvey. Mr. Trump was cheered but kept his distance from suffering and devastation, while his vice president did exactly the opposite. Unlike President Trump, the vice president hugged the afflicted, posed with volunteers, and cleared branches from a front yard of the Naro family, who wept while they watched. 
President Trump's trip to Corpus Christi and Austin was far less intimate. Critics said Mr. Trump failed to meet with victims, mention the loss of life, or see devastation up close. The video shows a Cobb County, Georgia police officer talking to a woman in a car he pulled over on a traffic stop. She's unwilling to move her hands, afraid, she says, of getting shot, and he tells her, don't worry. But you're not black. Remember, we only kill black people. Yeah, we only kill black people, right? All the videos you've seen, have you seen white people get killed? Though it happened a year ago, the video is just now coming to light. The officer, Lieutenant Greg Abbott, has been on the force nearly 30 years. His lawyer says he was, quote, trying to gain compliance by using the passenger's own statements. But the county's new police chief said today that what happened was unacceptable. I don't know what's in his heart, but I certainly know what came out of his mouth. The recommendation is to terminate his employment from the Cobb County Police Department. The date stamp on the video, July 10th, 2016. Stay with me. Just four days after cell phone video went viral, showing the moments after a white policeman killed a black driver, Philando Castile, in Minnesota. The debate, if there is one, is over whether to disappoint his rabid anti-immigrant base or two, as is his inclination, double down on a losing hand. So which is it, Jen? I think he's doubling down. I think if he really wanted to save these people, if he really meant all those pretty words about how he loves the dreamers, then there could have been a lot of things he could have done, including telling Congress to pass this as part of the Harvey package and as part of the debt uh, limit increase, if he really wanted to push things. Listen, this is an artificial deadline imposed by some attorneys general, nine attorneys general, one has dropped out of Republican states. The first thing Trump could do would be go to those people and say, please don't file this. The second he could do would actually be to fight it in court. So he has taken this opportunity and more importantly, I think people like Jeff Sessions and people like Stephen Miller, who have been really rabid advocates for an anti-immigration platform, have taken this opportunity to once more throw some red meat to the base. This is but Jen, he ran with... on this. Jen, he ran on this. This is not I... just him fluctuating between what he wants to do. He ran he... on it. He told Chuck Todd early on when Chuck asked him about Dreamers, do they need to go? And, and Donald Trump said, yes, absolutely they do. Right, but he's also said that he has a heart. He's going to deal with them humanely. He said many things. Besides well, who knows which, what that but, means what? they've never defined that. Right, but what else has he broken from his campaign? So simply because he mentioned it once, listen, there's tons of things he hasn't done that he's promised to do. Um, so again, I think this is just an opportunity to feed the base. And I think to the degree to which he thinks that he's going to dump it in Congress's lap and be absolved of responsibility, I think that's wrong. I think people will focus on Trump, particularly as it comes right after Charlottesville, right after the pardon of the Maricopa sheriff who um, practiced... Uh, racial profiling and abused uh, suspected immigrants. He is going to take the blame for this. And frankly, um, I don't think Congress is going to be able to uh, handle it. They could if they wanted to. They could attach it to funding at the end of September. They could attach it to the debt ceiling. Um, and I think as a result, not only are you going to have 800,000 plus people really put in um, grave distress, but you'll have employers, you'll have universities, you'll have communities that are really pretty much up in arms about this. I think it's the worst possible decision at the worst possible time. Yeah, and your op-ed, you say the party of Lincoln has become the party of Charlottesville and our pie. Well, how does all of this going on at once affect North Korea? 
Yeah, they have a tough time of it, um, Republicans on the Hill, because going before uh, the disaster, the, the natural disaster of, of Harvey came along, they had a difficult, they had difficult September coming their way, and I just don't see how they're going to be able to do tax reform. There's still this question of even playing politics with Hurricane Harvey and taking a billion dollars from the natural disaster relief for the wall. Um, so there is a lot there on the on the table. And honestly, I mean, look, Chris, we are in an inflection point. We have we're closer to war than we've ever been with with uh, North Korea. And secondly, you know, we are hearing tomorrow that he might he might do away with DACA, which is another moral line that he would be crossing, which is something that would be enforcing, advancing a sub white supremacy agenda and also against what majority of Americans want. Kareem Jean-Pierre, Robert Trainum, John Finer, thanks to all of you. Much appreciated. Thanks, Chris. <laughs>
they were pushing the 3% is abortion crap. And we've already found that there's 776,000 morning after pills. But the key point why I put in the stat of the day, they didn't make a lot of money, folks. It's Florida. Yeah, Florida. It's the South. We just don't kill babies like crazy down there. That's another thing that never really gets out. They talk about Planned Parenthood. I know there's enough clinics out there. Those people, they got to drive 200 miles to kill their kid. Which I always say, well, it should be hard to kill a kid. It shouldn't be McDonald's and you do that shit on drive through But there's more than just Southern and Christians are bad. It's the South. People really don't. Yeah, there's abortions, but it's not like the North where it is. Yeah, I'll take a McMuffin, two tater tots. And the morning after pill. That's just not, doesn't happen, no. Martha McCallum brought us a good thing. How's Comey going to explain this? Wall Street Journal. Two senators wrote that according to unredacted portions of a transcript, which were generated in a separate federal investigation in April or early May of 2016, Mr. Comey had already decided that he would issue a statement to exonerate Secretary Clinton. That was long before FBI agents finished their work. Mr. Comey even circulated an early draft statement to select members of the senior FBI leadership. The outcome of the investigation should not be prejudiced while the FBI agents are still hard work trying to gather facts. So what? Comey had decided to exonerate Clinton even before the investigation was finished. Now, clearly, where there's no expert on this sort of subject, but that seems sort of fishy. How, indeed, will he answer for this? Mike O'Hara, I'm guessing with a good old, mm, well, see, I didn't, I don't recall. Are you sure that was, uh? That's expounding on what we already learned. He passed it out. FBI agents already knew. Don't waste your time. Boss already did it. The problem that's within this, and later on in a Martha McCallan tweet, he then went before Congress and said nothing of the sort. So technically, if you want to be exact on this, Comey perjured himself. He perjured himself. He lied. Nothing will happen, because now he's going to hide under the investigation's pant leg, Mueller. But that's some fishy shit, my friends. And that's the stat of the day. Of course, Obama was scandalous when you have an FBI director that doesn't even do investigations. And he just fucking says there's nothing there. What do you think happened with the IRS? GSA. Fast and Furious, Benghazi, do the math. Music break and our long news and social media nuggets starting with an extended military corner. Today is gonna be the day that they're gonna throw it back to you By now you should have somehow realized what you gotta do I don't believe that anybody feels the way I do about you now Backbeat, the word is on the street that the fire in your heart is out 
Back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reed. Stop. Now it's time for news and social media nuggets the crazy stuff that makes your host 
lose his mind. Sadly, soldier killed in Yemen Blackhawk crash was decorated member of the Night Stalkers. Department of Defense identified the soldier missing from a Blackhawk helicopter crash last week off the coast of Yemen as Army Staff Sergeant Emil Rivera Lopez. Could not find out um, if he was from Campbell or from uh, Hunter, but um, that's sad. Didn't even make the papers um but this one did army investigating married general who tried to play jody with subordinate's wife few figures are more reviled in the military than jody the man or woman who's making the moves on your significant other but perhaps the only thing worse is finding out jody is your neighbor is the revelation that he's your commanding officer and a two-star general the army inspector general has launched an investigation into an inappropriate relationship between major general joseph Harrington, who oversees the U.S. Army Africa from northern Italy, and subordinate's wife. According to the report, relationship between Harrington, who's married, and the woman, who remained anonymous due to concerns over retaliation against her husband, began after she met the general at the gym. The woman started receiving the text in spring, but grew concerned after they became suggestive, she told USA Today. Though adultery is a violation of military law, she claimed that the exchange occurred via text. The relationship did not meet physical level never found out what rank that guy is but i am sure i am sure that it wasn't a two-star general's wife fucking jackass honor history and don't change base names military com readers respond swiftly and passionately to a recent op-ed by Derek coy a former Marine sergeant, Iraq war veteran, in the wake of racial violence in Charlottesville, argued that changing the names of military bases that honor Confederate military leaders, men he called traitors. There are currently tenuous military installations across the South, named after Confederate generals, including Camp Beauregard, Louisiana, Pierre Gustave Toutant Beauregard, Fort Benning, after Brigadier General Henny Benning, Fort Bragg after General Braxton Bragg, Fort Gordon after General John Brown Gordon, Fort A.P. Hill, Virginia after Lieutenant A.P. Hill, General, well, Lieutenant General, excuse me, Fort Hood after Texas 
in Texas after General John Bell Hood, Fort Lee after Robert E. Lee and Pickett, and yada, yada, yada. Okay, the vessels honoring the 1863 Battle of Chancellorville is called USS Chancellorville. It was a major battle of the Civil War and one of General Robert E. Lee's greatest victories. While Lee himself discouraged the creation of monuments apart because they keep open the sores of war, others have argued for keep them to honor the history of the nation and the sacrifices of his troops. Still others have called to move everything to a museum. Readers weighed in on the subject of both Confederate monuments and base names, with many calling for keeping them intact. Here's a sampling. We are not sons and daughters of traitors. Mr. Coy may have a degree in foreign history, but knows very little about American and Southern history. He has caused anger to discuss with many Southern men and women and has helped to divide our nation even further. We are not sons and daughters of traitors. We are sons and daughters of American soldiers and sailors who chose to defend their home and states from Northern aggression. That's how the South looks at it. Neither side was right. It's the other one they fixed. This is uh, from Paul G. Gordon. He's a lieutenant colonel. Um, he says... For many years, we noted our brave men and women on both sides. We knew some of the reasons for the conflict. 99% of the conflict was economic. Neither side was 100% right. We do know our ancestors were fighting from each side. We had family on both sides. In many cases, let's continue to honor all our fathers, whatever side they were on. Confederate troops was vet was another one. And he broke down that they're vets just like everybody else. Don't fuel more hatred and unrest. I am sad that you chose to reprint such an inflammatory article on military.com. We do not need a self-appointed critic of the Confederate States of America to fuel more hatred and unrest. Shame on you. My mother's ancestors of 1860s fought for the Union. My father's ancestors lived in Ontario, Canada. Preserve history, good and bad, one nation again, and learn to work together are the final articles that they brought up. You know, I, I once again think this is the dumbest shit I've ever fucking heard. Um, it's history. That's all it is. Because you named a military base after a Confederate general. You know, the West Point still follows that shit. West Point still studies it. They're major battle. I mean, if you're saying this, that I never know about Lawrence Chamberlain. What's the name? Lawrence? I believe it was Chamberlain. At Little Round Top, the first flank, pretty much. And when you break it down, this is just fucking more liberal bullshit. Here's a core question for the military that I, I couldn't pass up. How can you train yourself to go to sleep quickly like they do in the military? Answer by Kenneth Reese. Dad, a nurse, and a veteran. Wake up at 4.30, mainly go run two miles fast or jog four to six miles, do several hundred push-ups, sit up, squat, thrust, pull-ups, or jumping jacks, and then eat breakfast. March eight miles with 40 pounds or whatever strapped to your back, and then eat lunch. Run two more miles, do several hundred repetitions of whatever exercise you fancy, then eat dinner. Take an hour of downtime, and by downtime I mean run around trying to get work done. At 22.30, lay down, you'll fall into the deepest sleep you've ever experienced. By day two, you will have the ability to fall asleep instantly. At any time, anywhere. Yeah, I thought that was pretty good. Pretty good. Same side, I got a <coughs> the, the coexistence of the First Amendment and the Second Amendment. It's a fucking Glock 23 with a phone and the pistol grip. Of course, it's not real, but it's pretty damn funny. Newsletter in the barracks. Veterans totally slaying ass on university campuses. And this comes from our buddies over at Duffelbag Blog. 
The Barracks, an anonymous newsletter recently posted in the Barracks, is starting to make the rounds on social media and states veterans should attend four-year universities because co-ed totally want to bone rugged men. The letter states the military veterans should apply as soon as possible in order to attend college immediately upon leaving the service and compares university culture to an unending deployment in Thailand. And uh, If you've never read Duffelbag blog and you're a vet, you really should. The shit is, oh my God, yeah, so fucking funny. Another article they had was scandal. Q-tips company bribed armors to refuse clean weapons. And anybody who's never been in the military, when you are turning it in, uh, nine times out of ten, your armor is supposed to check it at the orders of the first sergeant. They take a Q-tip into the chamber and other parts of the area, areas of the the bolt and things like that that you know. Collect a lot of carbon buildup. And then they come back dirty that you can't turn your weapon in. And when you've come off a long deployment or whatever, man, you're fucking tired. You just want to turn that fucking shit in and go to sleep or go home or do something. And invariably, the guy who's the armor is usually a guy that's not your A team, but that's his best power right there, man. He owns you. You can't do shit until he accepts your fucking weapon. And I'll just tell you, there's been many a times when I was lower enlisted that I wanted to punch that motherfucker in the neck. Because I knew my shit was clean. But he'd find something. I'd have to go back to the drawing board. Another funny one they put up there, ISIS suicider bomber actually hoping for 72 experienced sluts instead of virgins. Which I thought was pretty apropos. Navy destroyer collides with building in downtown Houston, dog in the Navy. Texas National Guard halts hurricane recovery efforts to catch up on diversity training. And I'm going to actually read this one. After calling up the entire Texas National Guard for Hurricane Harvey recovery operations, Adjutant General Lewis Bell announced a sudden change in mission, catching up on mandatory PowerPoint training. In a breathtaking joint operation, the Coast Guard, Department of Homeland Security, Federal Emergency Management Administration pooled resources to bring the necessary easels, projectors, and bad touch dolls to the soldiers' sources confirmed. Surprise, motherfuckers, Bell told his assembled troops on Monday. Some of you slugs have been dodging drill for seven years, but now I've got you. Saw our Major Callan here going to lock the doors to this auditorium. They won't open again until every one of you has finished your mandatory diversity alcohol prevention and domestic abuse awareness briefings. And I, god damn it, that shit fucking cracked me up. Cause I, I will guarantee you, guarantee you, they had some kind of training like that before they had to deploy. I mean, it's the guard. They have to do all sorts of dumb shit the army's forced to do every fucking day. But they close, and I have three of them. I'm just going to do one with background music because I think it's really funny. They had Easy e doing a, a uh, doggone safety brief. The Beastie Boys. But my favorite, Elza from Frozen, does your safety brief. So for those that don't know or haven't followed the show, I've, I've done it numerous times. Safety briefing is something you had to do for every weekend. Or long four-day weekends. And it's pretty much the same shit repetitive. Don't have unprotected sex. Don't beat women. Don't get in fights. Don't drive in whatever gate they're getting everybody with DUI. 
I started as a private in Fort Richardson, Alaska, and I will tell you, every fucking time, it was the Elmendorf Gate. Don't come off the Air Force Base. Don't. Don't go on that gate. Because that gate, you're fucked. You go to any other gate to that Air Force Base, they were fine. But if you came from that gate, their sole purpose was to bust Army guys. And if they blew you, you were fucking done. They, they even had a conspiracy that the breathalyzer was rigged. You've been chewing bubble gum and you're going to blow a fucking point eight. So it's army culture and it's basically just a safety briefing to make sure guys have been told by the chain of command, don't do these things. Don't bounce checks because believe it or not in the military as a senior enlisted person or as a lieutenant or a captain, when you're with the troop, you're blamed for that shit. I mean, it's like, what the fuck? Why are your soldiers doing this? Insert this with bouncing checks, fucking getting thrown in jail for fighting, et cetera, et cetera. So the safety brief, some sadist invented the fucking shit. And as of 1985, when I went in, we did it. So with some musical accompaniment, here we go with Elza's safety brief. You're jonesing hard to go out to the bar, but you haven't heard my speech. The barracks is in barracks in isolation is where you're going to be if you don't listen to me. So sit your ass back down. Better shut your mouth. Listen to me now. Don't drive reckless and don't drive drunk. Just behave now or your career is sunk. Go out, get laid, but first be warned before you score. If you go, if you go to a strip club, don't come home with a whore, with a whore. Turn away and slam the door. I don't care what you're going to say. She just wants your cash. The gal never cared for you anyway. It's funny how some distance from the base seems oh so great. And the hookah shops and pawn stores are open really late. There's time to see what you can do. To test the limits, get a tattoo. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. You'll see. NJP, NJP. You're in trouble. Yes, you are now. NJP, NJP. How will you explain how? Here I'll, I stand and here I'll stay. Let your lies pour out. You bought a stupid car with trickled out wheels and tint. Crashed it into a tree after one big bottle of gin. And one thought crystallized like an icy blast. You're gonna go into the brig. The past will bite your ass let me go let me go i'll do better gunny i swear let me go let me go please please gunny be fair here i am it's my kid's birthday i'll crush you now the core never wanted you anyway Okay, granted, it's not timed. I tried to. I fuck it. I couldn't do it. It's still pretty funny. Uh, the Beastie Boy one when they get to it. Um, let me see. If they put it in there. Scheming on it. Uh, it's it's basically listen all. It's I think it's to be to sabotage was the song, and it was like listen all. Oh y'all, it's a safety brief. It's a safety brief, which I thought was funny. The Easy E one, I don't know the song, but it ends with word to your motherfucker straight out of condoms. <laughs> so if you don't read Duffelbag blog, you should. My poor singing over, I could not time it because it doesn't match. I don't know who wrote it, but it's totally not there. I tried cutting shit out, but fuck it. You get the point. 
funny. If you're not laughing, go fuck yourself. I sound like a liberal now. Okay, so we're going to end this little segue into number two, which is college crazy. We're going to listen to Mattis when he was in the Gulf War. I think he was lieutenant colonel, which I think is pretty interesting because it's a totally different person. We'll come in off a show enough bump and go into people meeting Trump. This is from Harvey. I actually wrangled down a couple of sound bites of those incidents that the media wanted to ignore and the left fucking hated. And they all got called Uncle Tom because they happen to be African-American. So um, we'll go into college crazy. What? More attack helicopters, the Cobra, to stop Iraqi tanks, to support Marines on the ground if war comes to the desert. My squadron in particular spent uh, probably about uh, 15 weeks in the desert over the past nine months. So my guys are used to it. We're used to fixing airplanes. We're used to flying. We're used to navigating all those things. Close by, Marine armor, tanks tuned up and moving out. Moving out to a hostile environment. Uh, we come from the uh, high desert, uh, the Mojave Desert in California, and I thought that that was a desert. But uh, this desert here would make 29 palms in California look like Aspen, Colorado. Here in the Saudi desert, these pictures cannot adequately capture the suffocating heat, the desolation. Well, at least there is no shortage of filler for sandbags. These are, uh, these are Marines, but they're young kids. They've never been in this kind of a situation before. Are you having to deal with nerves as well? No, they're pretty calm, pretty matter-of-fact. They know what's expected of them, and they're all pretty uh, pretty hard-charging, ready to go. The Marines are a little more candid. You guys are out here in what they call the tripwire. You're the forward elements, yeah. after all. Make you a little nervous? Yeah, a little bit. But you are nervous a lot at first, and after a while, you kind of get used to it. Like when we first found out, now it's a week or two late, and you're not as nervous as you were, I was when I first found out. Hard duty for an uncertain length of time in a place... Some had never heard of before. Did you know much about Saudi Arabia before you uh, got here? Never knew it existed. I knew, I knew that the Middle East had a lot of problems, no doubt. Now, the waiting game. Waiting for an attack they hope will never come. Waiting in a desert sun a long way from home. Tony Reed of Woodlawn. Colin snapped this selfie after talking with the president. He really did say yes, we just want to get the help that we needed. And how'd that make you feel? It made me feel wonderful. I had a different opinion of him, and now I think that he's a wonderful man. Joe Boyd says this lunch was handed to him by the commander-in-chief. I'm really uh, appreciating and thankful. My husband's uh, 73 years old, and if he, if he died and went to heaven today... We got to see President Still pretty interesting you don't see that, but that's local reporting. So at least we got local reporters that aren't all slaves to the Democratic National Committee. 
Media defends trans L'Oreal model who blames racism on all white people. Yeah. On Friday, September 1st, L'Oreal Paris fired Monroe Bergdoff, its newly hired transgender model, for making comments about racism on Facebook. The model complained that white people don't realize, excuse me, or refuse to acknowledge that your existence, privilege, and success as a race is built on the backs, blood, and death of people of color. Your entire existence is drenched in racism. The remarks were deleted and the model was promptly fired from L'Oreal. While outlets like Time told the full story, the Independent had a very different spin. We were socialized under white supremacy and patriarchy from birth. What she said is factual. And then they brought a bunch of shit in about Charlottesville. Yeah, that's so nice. Actress jokes with abortionists. My first abortion was my best one. I could actually pay you the soundbite, but I'm not going to. Um, that's Wow, your shout-out of your abortion stuff is some really sick shit, all right? That's like me shouting out, Oh, man, the first time I jerked off with fucking Crisco was the best. That just kind of came out of my mouth. But, you know, I mean, come on. Conservative actress was attacked in Hollywood for belief. I knew this lady. Julianne Davis. Yeah. Wrote an opinion piece. Fox News describing her trials as struggling Hollywood actors. Happened to be conservative. As it turns out, in a culture that screens for people to stay true to themselves, no matter what, staying true to herself is not acceptable. Yes. Hard as it is for some to believe, not everyone in the entertainment industry on the left coast is left-winger. After coming out of the conservative closet, she was asked to write for a political magazine and wrote for a publication until the magazine closed. Davis refused to backtrack on her professed opinions and maintain her stance. Since then, I haven't farewell, she confessed. Many of her friends stopped calling her and quietly ghosted me and then later unfriended me. Even, even outside her friend's circle, the actress received so much hatred for her views. Of course, she's been called a racist, while someone even told her he hoped she would die. She called Hollywood in circles a comfortable echo chamber. The groups of people that believe so strongly in love and tolerance or view on different views are hateful and utterly intolerant. That doesn't surprise me. What so ever to our college crazy Rutgers to host a drag queen week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. LGBTQIA Welcome Week. Rutgers University is hosting an LGBTQIA Welcome Week during the first week of classes, offering events such as performance by a drag queen and a big queer game night. Oh, that sounds like so much fun. The Rutgers Social Justice Center is also inviting alumni to a local bar for monthly LGBTQIA Cosign of Four Grad Social events featuring free food, but the school did not respond for inquiries seeking information about funding for the program. Oh, get him in early. College column and reading trashes conservatives. All incoming freshmen at Tufts University were required to read The Outrage Industry over the summer, a book that presents conservative commentators in a negative lens. While university spokesmen defended the selection, some students disagreed, calling it outwardly partisan statement. Yeah. When freshmen say it, what does that say, folks? Good Freaking Lord, man. What is wrong with you people? Uh. But in this article, they also talk about Duke freshmen to study oral sex novel for summer reading. 
Yeah. If they haven't figured it out by the time they go to freshman in college, they're not going to figure it out. Professor, diverse gender identities are culturally unintelligible. Ooh, this isn't going to go well. A Northern Illinois University professor recently coined the phrase compulsory heterogenderism to describe how trans identities are often rendered invisible by the assumptions of cisgendered people. Z. Nicolazzo argued that diverse gender identities are often culturally unintelligible because of the tendency to view transgender people through the lens of sexuality rather than gender. According to Nicolazzo, trans people are rarely perceived as transgender, but instead dykes or masculine lesbians because of their appearance, which concerns Nicolazzo because it results in trans identities going unrecognized, otherwise being erased. Here's a fucking flash, knucklehead. When you got 58 genders, what the fuck are we supposed to call them? Or treat them? I am sorry. Even liberal sites sell women's shirts and men's shirts. It's kind of nature. Don't know what to do for you. Professor discovers five new types of invisibility microaggressions. So we've had macroaggressions, microaggressions, and now invisible microaggressions. Oh, this is going to be good. In a recent study, two professors discovered a phenomenon they are calling invisibility microaggressions, which occur when there are very few minorities in a given situation, even when nobody has personally offended anybody else. To combat this new type of microaggressions, they suggest deliberately honoring women of color with high-profile awards and requiring multicultural competency training for university staff. Jasmine Mina, a physiology professor at Bucknell, and Anne-Marie Vaccaro, who teaches higher education at the University of Rhode Island, claim they are first academics to argue invisibility is a common form of microaggression. I feel invisible, not always, but a sort of a day-to-day thing, tweet. Yeah, that was a tweet that they tried to prove. There's a growing body of literature that suggests invisibility is a common form of exclusion or microaggressions. However, no studies have focused deeply on the way women faculty and staff experience invisibility microaggressions on college campuses. To remedy a lack of research on the topic, Vicaro Amina interviewed 13 women of color working at a predominantly white institution, majority of whom were heterosexual and middle-aged. From their research, they discovered that there are five types of invisibility microaggression, three of which are environmental, while two are interpersonal. According to their study, which was published in the NAASPA Journal about Women in Higher Education, the three environmental microaggressions that women of color face relatively to their invisibility on campus is disciplinary, professional settings, and their local communities, because they are among the few or only people of color in each context. Interpersonal invisibility microaggressions, on the other hand, involve what they call professional and leadership invisibility, both of which hinder work of color in their everyday work. Of the five, the most common was campus invisibility, which many faculty of color experience as one of the few racial minorities on campus. I feel invisible, not always, but it's sort of a day-to-day thing, said Ziomara, on the, of the, one of the 18 participants in the study. I just feel I can go days without seeing another person of color. I don't know. That sounds like you're the racist. I'm sorry to say it. If you're walking around, I don't walk around going, look at the white person, look at the black person, look at the Chinese person. I don't do that. If that's what you're doing in your life, 
You're a racist! Professor, efforts to recruit women of STEM might be backfiring. A Georgetown University professor says that effort to recruit more women to STEM fields, while very well-intentioned, may nonetheless be backfiring. According to Adrienne Kugler, the amount of attention paid to encouraging female participation in science, technology, engineering, and math actually sends a signal that STEM is not a field for women. Oh, no, 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 no. You can't say that. They just fired somebody for Google for that. How can you say that? Yes, it is. This one I love. Professor quits academic guild over lack of intellectual diversity. Dr. Bruce Gilley, a Portland State University, right there in Portland, Oregon, says he recently quit the American Political Science Association to protest the organization's refusal to embrace intellectual diversity. Gilley claims the APSA rejected his proposal for a panel on viewpoint diversity in political science, instead selecting four panels for the upcoming annual conference that focus mainly on progressive topics. Yes! <laughs> it was crowded out by APSA's serious lack of political diversity. The APSA, which was founded in 1903, was once led by Woodrow Wilson, likewise proclaims diversity diversifying the profession of political science and encouraging the application of rigorous ethical and intellectual standards and professions are among its core objectives. Gilly recounts that he proposed this. They told him to fuck off. We learned that he was told to fuck off. Initially assumed it had simply been bested by its superior panels, but subsequently concluded that it was crowded out by APSA's serious lack of political diversity. Of the 11 other panels approved for the teaching and education segments of the conference, it claims that seven address mainstream teaching topics, while the other four on progressive political talk, talk tolerances. One is tolerance, diversity, and assessment panel, for instance, will focus on how to use administrative coercion to enforce various groups' identity agendas, while predicting that the another panel called Let's Talk About Sex and Gender Sexuality will discuss how to restructure the classroom around ideas of being gender fluid, transgender, or gender nonconforming. None of this. None of this. Surprisingly. This, this is our college. So bad that Princeton Republican balk at left-leaning solidarity pledge. Listen to this. Tell me this isn't fascism. A group of 17 Princeton University organizations are criticizing the elite university for its many failures in a recent solidarity pledge, including its refusal to remove references to Woodrow Wilson from campus and offer race-based housing. The college Republicans, however, refused to sign the pledge, saying that they oppose all forms of racism, but not efforts to use recent political events to influence campus politics. A cohort of Princeton University students released a statement of solidarity reiterating demands for racially segregated housing on campus. You know these guys are going to be called racist because they wouldn't sign it. The joint statement released via the Daily Princetonian was signed by 17 student groups, including the Black Student Union, the College Democrats, the Young Democratic Socialist of Princeton. And it's a, it's a manifesto. I'm not going to fucking read it. In support of those claims, the letter provides several purported examples of how the elite institution has failed such populations, including its refusal to remove racist memorialization on campus in the form of numerous buildings named after the school's most notable former president, Woodrow Wilson. Finally, the statement calls out the school for refusing to offer race-based housing, 
say perpetuates a double standard by allowing students to live together based on shared artistic or sustainability interests. To allow living spaces based on shared race or ethnicity is wrong. Yeah. Doesn't that sound racist? I, I just, that's just so fucking racist. Fuck! To our lighter affair. Got two sound bites. First one's going to be a funny one, and it's Yusha Thomas with uh, Mess Hall for Barracks Rats. I've I, it's funny, but it's sad at the same time because I actually was that guy once, and it was just so sad. But I won't ruin the punchline. The other one was sent by Big Sis of Colorado, which, by the way, is coming down in October. For those that didn't hear that podcast, we will be doing a joint podcast. We didn't call each other today, but I was thinking, Big Sis, if you're listening, we could cover. Um, your visit to the South and what you think about the South, because you, you know, you've only been here a couple times. We can cover stories from our youth and abortion. We'll have a woman on here from Denver and talk about abortion. Could send you the, uh, Planned Parenthood stats, which is kind of rigging the deck, but at least let you review that. We could talk it over. So if that's what you're looking at, I'm going to call you tomorrow to make sure. Um, I think those are three good subjects. That's a, about an hour and a half of yammering. It'll be fun. And it will be, unfortunately, in the guest bedroom where you're staying was the studio. But you, you can just you can just stay in bed. We'll just do it. I'll bring, move the mic over there. I'll sit in a chair. You can use the mic. It'll be fun. But anyway, this one's pretty funny. But Big Sis, uh, not, not funny. Sorry. That one was funny. Big Sis is so I can get back on track. This is a beautiful story of a disabled vet who became a doctor. And she sent me this video. And I think it's... Um, well worth playing because it's pretty amazing. Uh, I have physical ailments. I fight depression, as I've said on the show, but to overcome losing limbs in war and become a doctor, fucking this man just cowboyed the fuck up. Yo, man, you crazy as hell, man. Listen, I can't wait to eat. I'm starving, brother. You know what I'm saying? I'm hungry as hell. <laughs> Here you go, big son. Happy Labor Day. Because you're definitely going to be in labor after you eat this bullshit. Why would you disrespect me like that, man? That's all we got. What is it? What you mean, what it is? It's your breakfast, bitch. You petty. And fix your face before I put your ass in your place. Stop playing, man. I want real food. Man. I told your refrigerator had ass. We ain't got none. You lying like shit. I see the bacon right behind you, cuz. I'm hungry than a vegan Muslim zombie during Ramadan. Well, guess what? That ain't my problem. Don't do this to me, man. Nah, fuck that. How can you do this to your brothers in arms, man? You ain't none of my brother. I don't know you like that. You better take your ass to McDonald's. You know I'm broke. Take out the AER line. Ain't got nowhere else to be. Nowhere else to go, man. My star card is maxed out. My account is in the negative. Man, I done told your bloated ass you ain't getting no sympathy over here. Now get the fuck out of my face for a bunch of ass and wipe me. Man, I already got me working on a goddamn holiday. I'm already pissed the fuck off. Man, you want to sit your... My name is Gregory Galeazzi. I was a captain in the United States Army, and I'm now a first-year medical student at Harvard Medical School. You're going from one uniform to a very different one. Tell us about that journey. Upon graduating, part of the ROTC program is you also get commissioned as the second lieutenant in the Army. Went out just on a normal daily patrol, met with some local leaders to get a feel for what's going on, what ways we could help, and we were on our way back from that mission. And uh, walking down the road, out of nowhere, just been hit by a roadside bomb. My legs were gone. My arm was almost completely severed at the elbow as well. 
without a medic there to have morphine, there was no sort of pain medication. So the only thing I could do was scream. My soldiers put me out in the helicopter and I, I blacked out. Uh, by the time I was brought to the trauma bay, they'd revived me. What I found out then was that the real nightmare really was just beginning. Even with the most loving, supporting family, friends, and community behind me, I was the one that was there in the middle of the night, staring at the clock in pain, in tears, um, wondering when or if it'll ever get better. With time, I eventually the pain, the pain started to settle. I regained my strength. As I regained my strength, I started to regain my mobility. And as I regained my mobility, I started to regain my independence. All these experiences with having over 50 surgeries, hundreds of hours of physical therapy, months on end as an inpatient in the hospital. Not only did I still want to practice medicine, but it, it strengthened my resolve to do it. I started taking night classes again. Over two years, I ended up taking I think, 18 courses. In March of this year, 2017, I got the acceptance that I was hoping to get to my number one school of choice, that was Harvard Medical School. I received such positive feedback from my classmates and some people saying, you know, one guy said, you single-handedly made uh, the expense of Harvard tuition worth it. I've had some of the most amazing, fulfilling, and enriching experiences of my life since my injury. Um, not the least of which was the very first pre-med class I went back to take was a general psychology class which where I met a girl, Jasmine, who eventually is today my fiancée planning a wedding for next year so even though I've gone through this journey I mean it's not lost on me how how unbelievable this ride has been and uh, how lucky I am to be here be patient with difficult times and even when things may be getting worse for a little while just be patient and stick it out because um, with time things do get better Amazing story there, and to the previous, uh, yeah, I remember going to the mess hall once and getting an MRE handed to me, or T-Rats, which was fucking even worse, because they would throw in the Mermite, which is the actual containers they serve food in, it's like a, you know, buffet, but they're army green ones, and served us that shit, but yet again, I remember some fantastic holiday ones, I remember Christmas 1990, in Korea, almost committed suicide. I was that fucking depressed. You know, remember I when I went over there, my son was two weeks old and my daughter was 17 months old. And I had just found out on Thanksgiving I was staying indefinitely. So I ended up staying 17 and a half months in Korea. And my wife had sent me a care package and I'd, I didn't eat. I had the care package for breakfast and I was listening to a tape from the family and a dugout in the snow, crying my fucking eyes out. And then I saw a huge, gigantic snowball fight. I went over and joined the snowball fight with Colonel David Hunt, who started it. Went to the mess hall, had gallo wine and a fantastic feast. The other major one I remember was Thanksgiving, and I'll retell all these when the holidays come, of course, but Thanksgiving 2000. 2000. Um, I was in... Korea again, we had VIPs and I was the only Pathfinder. So I was running the PZ and landing, you know, helicopters, Chinooks and Blackhawks all day as people came. Got a bunch of coins that I just gave to my 
fucking soldiers because I didn't really fucking want them. And when I got done, of course, it was late and I hadn't eaten, so I went in the mess hall and I sat and watched Music Bank with a bunch of Korean workers at their table and talked to them and watched Music Bank and had a turkey dinner. And it was a happy memory. I remember that memory. It's always stayed with me. And I think that's why I still watch Music Bank and occasionally you hear K-pop hitting here because I've been on a K-pop hit, uh, doggone K-pop kick lately because I found the, the website by accident. It came up on YouTube and it led me to a site where I can download it. And um, I watch it. I don't know why I watch it. I just think it's cute. There's still some, um, I don't know, there's still some cuteness to it. It isn't all skanks, booty shaking or... You know, I was going to do a segment today on Taylor Swift's new fucking song where she looks like a fucking hella skank. And, I, you know, yeah, it's nice every once in a while to, you know, see young girls singing and they're not showing their fucking vajayjay. Call me old fashioned. So anyway, this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this with family and friends and comments by emailing. F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. FOPpodcast at gmail.com. You can get the show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. Remember to check out the Flyover Politic webpage at F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. FOPpodcast.com to see links to feeds for the show, links to our Facebook page, and email us. There you'll also see a link to every episode on the episode release page and my blog. On the blog page, which I blogged the other day, I think it was on Sunday, and I asked you for two Jolly Rogers that I made up. Uh, they're just rudimentary, because I will send them to Steve in Florida to make them look nice, and I thought I'd put them occasionally on blogs, or <clears throat> when I have a specifically hateful podcast with a lot of cursing and gnashing of teeth, I dropped the Jolly Roger logo on the SoundCloud um, upload and you would know that this one's bringing the heat um, secondly Stephen, Florida your shirt hit the mail today that's right I mailed it finally took two weeks and you sent me your address 40 45 fucking times but he's getting a sexy new logo shirt for contributing to the show Tom in Tucson I'd like you to reach back out also and I'd like to get you a shirt uh, you contributed a lot in the beginning Big Sis will be getting a shirt when she comes down here. Um, next podcast is going to be the 11th. Uh, I'm going to take a weekend off. I have to work, and with my schedule, I really can't get one done. But that will give me a good quality show next week. Uh, my plan in the future, kind of rotate the Friday free-for-all in and then rotate what we did today. I thought this was kind of fun. Do a front that's kind of serious and then have some fun with the larger military corner, which was kind of what I used to do in the beginning. And... Uh, college crazy and funny stories and just have a little fun with it so that I'm not just sitting here all the time screaming yelling about how fucked up liberals are. But by the way, liberals are really fucked up nowadays. They're really fucked up. Anyway, um, I hope y'all have a very, very good weekend for you, for you that are in the cone of fucking fear that's coming the fuck down with Irma. Please be safe. Uh, latest looks like that the cold front that pushed through here is going to push it east. So hopefully, if it does make landfall, <clears throat> it'll graze North Carolina or South Carolina. It won't be a direct hit. Um, that was the latest I saw. But by Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern time, we're going to know where this thing's going. And as of today, at 180-mile winds, and it's 400 fucking miles big. 
Um, it's actually doing something that I didn't know existed. The wall eye, or the eye of the storm, is repositioning. And supposedly when a storm allows its eye to reposition, that's how it gains size and strength. It's not a solid eye, um, which is very, very scary. So um, please be safe. Make preparations to either hunker down or get the fuck out of Dodge, if that's the case. And uh, we'll keep you in, in our prayers. Enjoy the rest of your week, folks. Enjoy your family. Disconnect from your devices. Give everybody your undivided attention. Remember, this is a short ride. And then we're gone. And it's kind of a shitty thing to miss some of that ride because you're updating your Facebook account. As always, my friends, thanks for listening. Take care. Let the bodies hit the floor. Let the bodies.